Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. So my guest is a concert promoter. This is the job I should have had. And we are talking... Alice Cooper, Willie Nelson, Roger Waters, Aerosmith, The Grateful Dead, etc., etc., etc. Danny Zalisco has produced over 10,000 concert events throughout the course of the United States during the course of his career and lived to talk about it. Brand new book is called All Excess. Not all access. Get the play on words. All Excess. Occupation Concert Promoter. It's a fabulous book, and I love the stories. Hey, Danny, thank you for being here. My pleasure. How are you guys today? So we have something in common, actually many things. Number one, we both love rock. But number two, as kids, we both sent self-addressed stamped envelopes looking for autographs. Can I tell you, I've raised four. They have no idea where on the envelope you even put the stamp. <laughs> It's true. You know, I mean, it, it's letter writing is truly a lost art. When I was a kid that, you know, I learned how the whole format worked. I had to put the date and the return address up there on the corner and, you know, and sign off your friend sincerely. 
all the mechanics of riding. I mean, we, we were doing that. My brother and I were doing that when we were four, five, six years old. But you and, were a guy, uh, I mean, I can tell as a kid, you were a guy not afraid, as I like to say, to ask for the order. And that has served you well in life. Absolutely, without question. Hey, Danny, this song still brings me to tears when I hear it. It was an important part of your youth. Oh, boy. I, I'm telling you, man, I could cry like a baby right now. Let me let me tell you something, and I, I haven't said this in any interview or told anybody anywhere. I'm, it's such a great thing. Uh, recently, I was at my brother's house. He lives in uh, Deer Park, Illinois. And his wife's brother, I was talking to him that I wasn't able to find the piccolos anywhere. I didn't know where to find Brian's wife or his kids. The next day, he had all their email addresses for me and their personal addresses where I was able to send each of them a copy of the book. So on Friday, I was driving from downtown and here in Phoenix back home, and I got this note, um, and I was thinking about it when I was driving. It was so eerie. And I got back to my house, and I opened up my emails, and there's an email from Joy Piccolo thanking me for this book. And I hadn't communicated with her since Brian died. Okay, we haven't told we haven't told the audience why am I talking to a concert promoter, a legendary concert promoter about Brian Piccolo? Because he had a story that touched everybody, whether it was sports or music or just being human. You know, it's a story of a football player from Chicago who died when he was twenty six, and I was one of his best friends. We, How is uh, that? How can that happen? Well, back in the in the sixties, when uh, when I would go to Wrigley Field. There was a little parking lot outdoors, no fences across the street on a kitty corner kind of thing from the area where they would enter Wrigley Field to go in to play football. And so we had them for about a hundred yards to ourselves. And we, you know, we knew what time they were going to show up and we knew when they would be there later, whether it was practice or a game. And we were fixtures there for years, uh, outside of Wrigley Field. And when they wanted to let us in, they would let us in for practices. Uh, George Hallis would let us in if they won the week before. And if they lost, we knew we would be outside. So <laughs> you know, it, it, it was just one of those early things where we gravitated towards our sports stars and our heroes. And they were accessible to us, which, you know, is pretty impossible in today's world. We, we got to learn about how to be around famous people and adults and and just be on the inside of something rather than on the outside looking in the way most fans are with their, you know, with their heroes. You were a music fan. You're looking to get into the concert biz. You're a young guy. Somebody named Twigs gives you advice to show up. Well, you tell the story and do what? I didn't know how to do anything. Um, I had no skills other than using my mouth to talk my way in or out of trouble. And uh, at the Allman Brothers gig that I went to, which was the first one I went to in 1972 uh, in Berkeley, when uh, I left Chicago and I came to Berkeley, you know, just I was just drawn there like a magnet. Um, I knew about San Francisco and the magic scene there and Bill Graham and the Fillmore and all that. And, and I had to go there, you know, and I, I already felt like I was late because I've been reading about, you know, free love and, you know, hippies and hate Ashbury 
since the mid sixties and I was a ten year old. So I was I was onto this as part of a scene um at a very, very early age. And uh I had to go there. So anyway, Twigs was the road manager for the Allman Brothers, who I ended up meeting at this show because my my uh downstairs neighbor was an usher and he let me in to the show and I weaseled backstage and I hung out with this Twigs guy. He's the only guy who would talk to me. And I explained that I wanted to do this. And one thing led to another. And he said, why don't you just come back here when there's a show, jump on the truck and start unloading some gear. So that's exactly what I did. Um, the yes people thought I was with Bill Graham's guys and Bill Graham's guys thought I was with yes guys. Cause when I talked to them, I tried to stay quiet, but I talked with an English accent. So I kind of duped them all day long until Bill got there for dinner that night and I got busted, but he ended up liking me. And uh, uh, we ended up knowing each other for quite a long time after that, almost 20 years. You know, the interesting thing about Twigs is about six years later, after that just one little meeting that I had with him, um, he came into town as the road manager for the Dixie Dregs. and, And he about turned white and dropped when he saw me there because he goes you're that kid this is your show you know he's up in his mind it was just beautiful just whole 360 you know the stories are great and and what i'm reminded of in the stories is that danny zalisco has has really been in the right place at the right time this is the book club with michael smirconish podcast from sirius xm Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 
because you'll get 50% off. That's code SMIRCONISH50 at factormeals.com slash SMIRCONISH50. Get your 50% off. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Beautiful the stories thing. are great. And, and what I'm reminded of in the stories is that Danny Zalisco has has really been in the right place at the right time. But you've also seized every opportunity, it seems to me, that came your way. It's 1973. It's 1973. Led Zeppelin is due to play in Phoenix. Jimmy Page, I don't quite understand this, is flying commercial and he is late. And what does it cause you to do? This was a show that Bill Graham was putting on. It was actually at Kizar Stadium where the 49ers used to play in San Francisco. And huh. I was just there as a, a worker. I was a grown, you know, I, I, I just grunted around. They had me filling the trash cans with the bags, you know, liners. Uh, all around the stadium one minute. The next minute, I'm on the sound platform um, playing music through their speakers on stage because the audience needs, you know, to be pacified because Jimmy was very late. I mean, it was hours late to this show uh, because he chose not to draw, uh, fly in the band's charter. He went on on, the, on his own with the people instead that day. And for whatever reason, you know, it was important to him to do that that day. And when he finally got there, I was kind of exhausted having played DJ for about two hours with 12 tapes. Not easy. Eight tracks, of course. <laughs> Eight tracks, right. Right. If the, if they, the song you know, extended the, from one track to the other, you had to wait for it. Yeah. Not only that, you know, like on the old eight tracks with the longer song, they would break right in the middle of a track. Yep. You know, yep. so everybody was on to me. You know, it was like, <laughs> it was crazy. So the first was, the first show, the first show that you get to present uh, as that photograph is depicted in the book, Two Midwest Peas in a Pod. I love Bob Seeger. You are now putting on, I guess this was at the Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum. The year is 1980. And he says something to you pretty dramatic right before the show. What was it? I ain't singing tonight. <laughs> and I, and I'll, I'm looking at him like, you're kidding. What, why are you doing this to me? You know, it's my first, it's 1980. So I've been doing this now for seven or eight years. And I'd work my way up to the point where I can offer Bob Seeger a show in the Coliseum. This would be my first Coliseum arena type show. Um, since I started promoting. And so show sold out in a day. And he 
apparently he got into town and, um, you know, it's very dry here in Arizona. So you have to be careful to stay very hydrated when you're here and, and, and to stay out, you know, from the outside, stay away from it and get some sleep. So I think a lot of that wasn't happening right then. And um, his voice was just burnt out. He, he was a heavy smoker and it's very dry here. So I was really upset, of course, because here was my one minute. This is my Super Bowl grand moment. The next minute, you know, I'm a schmuck. So uh, he asked me why I was so upset. It's five o'clock, 530. I go, Bob, the lobster's cooked. Everybody's <laughs> eating dinner. I'm buying everybody dinner because there's supposed to be a show to pay for the dinner and everything else. He goes, look, I'll come back. I'll, he goes, I'll come back. Can we do two shows? Let's make more money. How fast do we sell out? I said, really fast. He goes, well, fine, we'll book another show. I'm canceling Tucson tomorrow, which isn't your show, but I have to come back and play that one too. So I'll do three shows. It'll be worth my while to come back out. And that he did in June. And and, and the, I was still depressed, even with that. And he goes, what's the problem now? I said, I'm out 30 grand right now. I have to pay people. And I can't take the money from the box office because the show hasn't happened. And he, he goes, fine. He calls his tour manager over. He goes, give me the checkbook. He, write, he writes me a check right there on the spot. And he goes, Let's pay. Let's make this part of the show cost next time around, and we'll be all equal. And I'm, that's what we did. And and I mean, for and now remember, Bob in 1980 was not the superstar like he is today. He was just becoming known around the country and around the world. Prior to that, he was like a Midwest secret. And uh, by this time, you know, Night Moves was out. And it was a really big deal, and. Uh, it was a very class move, and to me, that was the bar set um, that I would look at whenever a situation like this occurred, as it does every now and then. Not often, but it happens. Um, and and he handled it better than anybody in the next 40 years. Speaking of money, speaking of cash, the cover of your book, which is all excess, uh, <laughs> and I, I love in the book that I can now see that it's it's taken with one of those Instamatic cameras that you used to take it and then have to shake it for 15 seconds while yeah, the thing the Polaroid. developed. The Polaroid, Polaroid, exactly. Okay, what is, for the benefit of those listening on radio, what is in that photograph? What am I looking at? You're, well, originally when I, when I used that picture, I had a lot of pictures, obviously, to pick from, but I'm going... Nobody cares about who I am, what I look like. I got to be doing something to suggest something. Those were two cassette boxes. Now, you'll have to explain later to everybody what a cassette is. Uh, <laughs> um, but the cassette uh, boxes contained $40,000 in cash that was derived from the parking lots. Uh, we rented out for two Pink Floyd concerts uh, when they did the Momentary Lapse of Reason tour. In sure. 88. So my, my security guy had come to me and said, you know, the, this little ballpark that we're doing the Floyd shows in that had 25,000 people coming each night. He goes, we've only got 8,000 permanent seats. So there's only 2,500 parking spots. You're going to need a lot more parking. So he goes, give me 10 grand in cash. I'll go around and I'll rent all the parking lots near here. We'll set up lights and security and shuttles. And that way people won't have to 
you know, walk miles to get to the show. So that's what we did. It worked out beautifully, like without a hitch. And, and that I actually made more money off the parking than I did on the show itself. <laughs> so it was a beautiful, beautiful move and a great stroke of luck. But that's why you hire great people. We're not giving it all away for free, but you, you got to tell this. Uh, your favorite photograph in the book, and I can understand why, is with you and your father, the Dice Man, and his dad. And I loved the story about how you have booked Andrew Dice Clay and Bill Maher for the same gig, and there's a question of who's going to open for whom. You know, and, and, and I thought Dice was nuts. I had him booked for forty grand at the Celebrity Theater here in Phoenix, where I'd had him many times prior. And I think this was the last time I had him there, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, he calls me up and he goes, look, I really like Bill Maher. Do you like my son? He's great. Um, I go, why? He goes, I want to have him on our show at the Celebrity. I go, I don't have any more money, Geist, unless, you know, we raise the ticket prices really, really high. And I don't, he goes, no, I don't want to touch the ticket prices. He goes, he goes, take mine. Let's split it. I already talked to him about it. He'll do it for the same fee as me. We'll co-headline. And I go, fine. Now, I assume Dice is going to be the closer because he's so strong in this market. He's done as many as two or three shows at a time for me there. Same all. When it's time to go on sale, I talk to him. I go, do you care what side you're on, up or bottom, you know, with the billing and all that? And he goes, he's going to close. I told him. Out of respect to him, he can close. And he goes, and I'll, I'll do everything I can to blow him off the stage. And, <laughs> and he goes, because I want people to get two different types of comedians, two different types of audiences. We should go over well with both. Well, as we know, Dice is a little more street humor-esque, and Bill Maher is, is a little more articulate and classy and a different approach. He says Bill's going to close. So that's fine. Dice comes in does a 90-minute set that is the best set I ever saw him do. I mean, he was inspired to impress Bill Maher. He really he really was. And uh, they, the audience wouldn't stop chanting, dice, dice, dice. When uh, Maher went out on stage, he didn't want an introduction, which was a big mistake, because I usually introduce those guys. But those people were rowdy and drunk and unruly. And they wouldn't let him talk. And the microphone wasn't working, as, as, as fate would have it. Bill threw the microphone down, walked off the stage. And he goes right, I mean, right out the back door from the stage, there's this ramp. He goes right out to his car, and he's taking off. Somebody's driving him in a Lincoln. And I go, whoa, 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 where are you going? He goes, I can't compete with that. I can't do this. I said, I'll settle them down, okay? You come back. Let's, let's finish the show. And I went out and I told everybody who didn't want to watch Bill Maher could get up and leave right now. I'm going to give you a minute to collect your things and get out. But the next person that jeers, you know, the repercussions would be very severe. I don't know what that meant. And uh, they stopped and Maher went out and he did a good set. You know, it wasn't great. He was so rattled. And, and it's odd, you know, to think about Bill Maher being rattled because he seems to be this picture of strength and, you know, standing up for everything and he's really great at it but he was rattled i you know and yeah can i tell you that when i read that story by the way 
Danny Zalisco. The book is called All Excess. In my social media are the links to learn more about the book. But I just want to tell you, Danny, that when I read that, you took me back to being with 100,000 of my closest friends in 1977 for a bill that Larry Magid was promoting at JFK Stadium in Philadelphia where the headliner was Peter Frampton. Uh, About nine months sooner, he'd released Frampton Comes Alive. However, the so-called warm-up, Leonard Skinnerd, fresh on the heels of One More From The Road. And when Ronnie Van Zant and the rest of the band played Freebird, the house almost burned down, and poor Peter Frampton had to then come out with a piano and sing, I'm in you. I'll never forget Ooh. it. That's Beautiful tough. Thing. That's a great <laughs> moment right there. You know, you, you never want to follow Skinner. No. <laughs> I, I, uh, the... I saw the Who do that on their Quadrophenia tour, and I was worried about it. But, of course, it was the Who. And, you know, they, they rose to the occasion. But Skinner, uh, you know, they got really, really big out here in Arizona. This is one of the first hotbeds of places for them in the early 70s. And um, when I went back to Chicago for the Sioux concert and Skinner was opening that tour, uh, nobody knew who Skinner was in Chicago. And by the end of the set, you know, they knew who they were and, and they could have come in the next night and headlined an arena themselves. They were unbelievable live. Final question for Danny Zalisco. I love the discussion of riders. Uh, I learned a great deal. I got a kick out of the fact that Rodney Dangerfield, whose humor I loved as much as Sam Kinison's, but Dangerfield wanted a refrigerator with milk and white bread because of his ulcers. You talked about Queen and the cheese tray. Tell me, though, about Prince and the special flowers. It's kind of like a baptism thing, I think, for him. He, he needed these these certain roses from Holland, and and it was like a hundred dozen of them or something. Like they, they they had to be flown in from very far away, and uh, they cost ten thousand dollars. <clears throat> now, I know this sounds a little bit on the you know excessive side, pardon the pun, but you know it's his show, and when you're on the road. 24 seven, you have no roadmap and suddenly people are throwing 10,000 uh, seats worth of money at you every night. You, you might go off on a little tangent every now and then. In his case, it was flowers. He, he wanted to walk in that room and smell those flowers. It was very strong. And uh, it, it was a very nice feature on his, on his tour. I dropped into a couple of other dates and sure enough, there were those roses I never saw him in the room with him, but I, he claimed to go in there. And I understand the room stunk like that for at least a year afterwards. <laughs> Beautiful thing. Hey, Beautiful congrats thing. on the book. It's a lot of fun. The stories are priceless. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be talking about it with you. And um, I hope people will go to our website and check it out. And Amazon has posted so many great reviews. A lot of people are nice enough to write things about it. And, you know, that's the best part of it. If, if nobody was reading it and, and I was getting thumbs down, I'd really be depressed. But <laughs> look, I, I've only play. scratched I've only scratched the surface. So anybody who uh, who loves going to shows is going to love the back of the house stories. The book is called All Excess Occupation Concert Promoter. Thank you, Danny. I really enjoyed this. Me too. Thanks for having me. 
Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.